It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. Today, my guest is Sean Taylor. Sean is founder and chief executive officer of Up to Par Management and Taylor Hospitality. He is a dedicated resort operations leader and PGA member with more than 20 years of experience. He has a clear understanding that service is the cornerstone of club and resort operations, and his leadership philosophy is centered on exceeding the needs of the guests and members while driving superior financial performance. He founded Taylor Hospitality and Up to Par Management after identifying a market need for solutions-oriented business practices. Sean focuses on optimizing property-wide processes with Six Sigma initiatives, as well as enhancing associate engagement through management training programs. Sean Taylor, welcome into the corner office. Well, thanks, Brian. I appreciate you giving the opportunity to talk and and uh, and you know talk about our, our organization and and you know some of the some of the questions that you may have. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I'd like to kind of start with the early years. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up. I know golf's been a big part of your life. Uh, was that something the family was involved with, or how did you get into this into the sport? Fairly odd. Uh, grew up in New Jersey, uh-huh. um, and actually, I was the only one in my entire family that played golf. So, really, I, okay. yeah, ran and, yeah. and and played golf, and and uh, not too many great golfers have come out of New Jersey. So, <laughs> you're so, the exception. <laughs> uh, well, I quickly knew that it, for, if I wanted to, to get better, I needed to go south, and uh, went to school down in in North Carolina, a little school called Elon. Played for right. them collegiately, and yeah. and upon graduation, played. Prof- professionally for a couple of years. Uh, and actually all through that time really was involved not only in golf, but also in hospitality running, um, yeah, you, you yeah. know, as far as food and beverage Great industry uh, to as, be. aspect yeah. of, of Great things. Great industry to be in. Absolutely. Yep. Brothers and sisters, mom and dad, what, what, tell me a little bit about your early yep, family. Yep, three older brothers. Uh, okay. All their, are, are uber ex- uh, successful in their own chosen careers. Right. And, right. and um, you know, mom and dad are still, still with us, which is great. Uh, yeah. Retired, they're up in Delaware. Where um, my brothers are really sporadic throughout the throughout the country. One is in um, down in South Florida, has his own business down there in Southern Florida. Uh, another uh, had his own business in Annapolis, did artificial right. intelligence, and oh, then cool. another uh, one of my other brothers, my oldest brother. 
is up there in Delaware as well, and he does uh, research, uh, heart disease, and and wow, uh, you guys are yeah. all over the place. Yeah, all over the place <laughs> with different interests, and and yeah. uh, they all have their their PhD. I, I say, you know, I got three brothers with their PhDs, and I'm the only ones who didn't who didn't who didn't go and pursue a a, a PhD in our family. So kind of wow. kind of crazy that way. Mom and dad professionals as well? They are teachers. They were teachers. teachers. Yes, uh, both of them were high school and college professors. And, uh, you know, obviously growing up, education was always placed at a a premium uh, with us in our our household. And that was kind of the gateway. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can have some fun. I love it. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I think I learned more when I started the company than I ever did in in college. There you go. All right. Well, there's lots of different ways to learn. What about early early inspirations? Did you have a golf coach or a teacher or folks that, you know, gave you some words of wisdom in those early years? Yeah, I had, uh, you know, some, some, some great, uh, golf instructors, uh, mm. at a, and our, our, uh, coach, my coach in college was, uh, he was also the basketball coach at Elon. So, oh, okay. uh, we always got the rah-rah speech at the, at the turn at the, at the end of the <laughs> nine holes. So, uh, cause we knew we had the second half to play. So, right. um, really had some, some really good people that I, obviously that I looked up to that were mentors towards me, uh, obviously, you know, my my parents, my dad, sure. uh, was somebody that I always placed on a on a pedestal, yeah. um, and then people within. What are some of the early lessons from dad? Do you remember some words of wisdom when you were young? Oh boy, you know if you don't do it right, don't do it at all. Uh, that <laughs> right. was definitely That's a good one. definitely something uh, you know that you can continually learn and and get better. What you where you are today is not going to be where you're going to be tomorrow. Right. Um, so those were those were always things that uh, you know that that he instilled uh, with us. He, re- I think, uh, overall, he probably instilled such a uh, an incredible work ethic right. uh, for not right. only for me, for my brothers. At you know, at one point, uh, my you know, my both my parents were high school teachers, and at one sure. point, uh, he had five of us in college. Oh my gosh! Uh, so he was working <laughs> three t- three jobs, and we saw it growing up, and. And just the work ethic, and then you know, obviously starting a, starting your own venture. Sleep is uh, is optional, right? And so right. Uh, no 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 doubt about it. I think that that work ethic and that mentality of uh, really kind of just getting your nine your nose to the grindstone and getting it done. Uh, really, he passed that along to us, and and uh, really grateful for that. Awesome. And what about mom? She was also a high school teacher. She taught yeah. business. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, very early on, this is back in, uh, back in the eighties. Oh my gosh, before the internet and, right. and, uh, you know, we learned how to type and learn how to keep books oh, and, and, good uh, good which skills was, to have. Which, yeah, yeah, you know, probably the accounting aspect of things and the communication aspect of things still pay dividends to today and, right. and really hard workers well, uh, and really probably from, uh, with her, I mean, she, you know, she was, you know, we're, we're mostly Italian, uh, right. and, yeah. and, you know, food is, is, uh, is a way of life in the Italian family. And, <laughs> and that's probably where we, you know, from a hospitality perspective of things, you know, growing up in the kitchen and, sure. and taking what we were able to, to pull out from the garden and from, uh, and put it out there on, you know, literally back in the day, it wasn't, it wasn't so, so passe to be farm the table, you that's know, right. but, but that's yeah. what, that's what we did. And that's how we grew up. And now, you know, we took the, 
the ingredients that we had in the in the back in the garden and and put it put it there on the table yeah and so that that probably drives uh a portion of our of our culture at at uh at up to par and taylor hospitality Awesome. So golf was a big part of your life. Any other sports or music, theater, you know, politics, other things yeah, you get involved with? Uh, well, golf and running. Uh, and running I ran, right. Yeah, ran cross country and track and played golf uh, when it was the golf season and, and really had to get to the point where I got recruited to either play golf or run. Right. And I chose, I chose the, you know, golf was really yeah. making such a strong surge. Uh, and I, I, I chose the golf part of, of things. And, and I know my waistline wishes I probably ch- chose the running part of, uh, p- p- running part of things. Particularly the food combination that, in there, no, right? No, no doubt about it. My, <laughs> my son and my daughter run, so which is good. So I'm living my life vicariously through them with their running. Awesome. Uh, awesome. So kind of neat. Any entrepreneurial things you're involved with, young, you know, when you're growing up, the ubiquitous paper route or selling Christmas cards or other stuff to earn pocket money? Wow. So yes and yes and yes. Uh, mm-hmm. So yes, had a paper route. We'd get up five o'clock in the morning and yep. deliver to probably approximately about a hundred families around yeah. our neighborhood. Yeah. Um, you know, pretty proud of that in the sense of kind of a you know, started off with sixty families and grew that to over a hundred, which was kind of neat. Nice. Um and then, uh, really from there, you know, always had jobs growing up, whether it was, uh, picking up range balls and working at a driving range facility or working at a golf course or, right. or at one point in my college career, when I was in college, uh, I was a junior optician making eyeglasses oh. and yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or working at a liquor store, worked for a, a family in, in New Jersey that owned a liquor store. And so essentially that's how I got to learn all about the liquor business yeah, uh, and yeah. different wines and, and liquors. So always had a, always had a job, but you know, obviously on the entrepreneurial side, the paper route really kind of, kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. Sure. You know, it's funny. So many of our CEOs have done that same thing. Yeah. In fact, a couple of the female sim- uh, CEOs were actually folding the papers for their brothers. Oh my <laughs> but gosh, also up at 4 a.m. in the morning. That is but, great. Uh, yeah, there's nothing like having that responsibility early and, you know, getting good customer service experience that uh, kind of forms you in your mind. Hey, this is, uh, this work is good. You know, you like, like yep. picking up that paycheck. What'd you do with that pocket money? Did, was it putting it away for college? I guess with all the brothers you had, that was probably something that was needed. Or did you have some favorite things that you spent your pocket money on during those years <laughs> no uh it was it was uh <laughs> times savings, were, uh. were very lean yeah, um yeah. so actually the pocket money was uh whether it's if i wanted to buy golf balls or right, uh right. if i wanted to buy a new club or something along those lines or honestly just just i can remember going to uh, a public golf course that was a municipal golf course growing up. And, and if I got there before 7am, it, it was $3. <laughs> and if I got there after 7am, it was $5. And I can always remember going to the, to the golf club every day with $5 in my pocket, $3 for all day greens fees. And I yep. had my shag bags and hit golf balls and then $2 for, uh, for a pork roll and cheese sandwich and, and as well as, and for, and then also, uh, uh like a Coke. Uh, and then that was it. That was, <laughs> that my, was it. That was your you day. Know, right. And so, you know, uh, and then at night I would go and, and work at a driving range and the driving range was lit. So I didn't get out of there till about 12 o'clock at night wow. and, wow. uh, wound up getting home and then turning right around trying to get to the golf course before 7am. 
long days, but uh, oh, obviously fun days, you, you, you know, fun days. Make sure yeah, who you are. Yeah. yeah. Now, are you recruited, Elon? Uh, did you play golf there? I did. Uh, yeah. College? Yeah. Uh-huh. Played well awesome. enough in high school golf to where uh, they were one of the few schools that actually, you know, gave us some scholarship money. And that's great. And while I absolutely wanted to go to Carolina University, of North Carolina. Uh, you know, it wasn't in the cards at that time. And they were given, they were given some money. My dad with four other of us said, that's where you're going. And, uh, so, so the decision was made and case, that's where, case was where made. the right. case was made. And actually the, the Carolina coach really, he, uh, he didn't want me, uh, as well. So that's maybe what, what drives me for, for my disdain for university in North Carolina. <laughs> and then you ended up at, you ended up at Duke as a professional there, but we'll that's get right. to that in a minute. That's right. So it all, you know, the big it guy upstairs, yeah, he's got a, he's got a plan for all of us, you know? So. I love it. I love it. How'd you decide what to study in college? You know, originally I liked math. A mm-hmm. lot. Um, kind of mom's influence because of the accounting yeah, background. Yeah, I yeah. really, yeah. I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed math quite a bit. Um, and when you play college sports, you, you know, this is probably one thing that most of the announcers just don't just take for, for given anymore. Is you miss so much school, and golf is really one of the sports where you probably miss more school than really? most yeah. yeah so on average days, i was missing about practice yeah. yeah 30 well because they're tournaments they're not they're not right. like a game where you go on yeah. one day yeah. they're, you're going for three three days and so right. um so on average a semester i would miss anywhere between 35 and 40 days a semester wow. that's a lot and so yeah. at that time you know it was definitely a lot different um you know, trying to teach yourself calculus three was mm. incredibly challenging. So I had to change <laughs> my major imagine. from yeah from yeah. math to <clears throat> something else. And I've always enjoyed history, but I always enjoyed teaching. And and uh, you know, I wound up taking a lot of classes and wound up double majoring with with you know, I was a major in history, major in education, had a minor in philosophy, hmm. re- religion, and then also had a I took enough math to have a minor in mathematics as well. So kind of awesome. crazy that way. Yeah. Um, you know, I actually don't use a lick of any of it. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, what was that first job out of, out of college? You become an esthetician or something? Or right. <laughs> it what, de- definitely didn't, didn't use any of it. You know, it was probably one of my, you know, looking back, I probably could have been a lot more strategic, uh, with the direction that I, I thought I was going to wanted to teach, teach, yeah. uh, teach in school. And, and I, I did my student teaching and realized I do not want to do this. Right, so right. uh decided you know to go and you know just get my degree and then try to figure it out so did you go first to duke was that your first job straight out uh no i was down i played professionally uh okay. for, for a couple of years and then yeah. uh i worked at a facility down in hilton head south carolina nice uh and then while i was working there uh we started to build an additional nine holes uh, so I got the opportunity to work on the construction side oh, of fun. golf. Yeah. Uh, and then when I moved, then when I took the position at Duke, we were getting ready to go under a reconstruction of the entire facility. And you had your choice. Could you work inside and have limited hours or could you go outside and work golf course construction? And I chose mm. the latter. Um, nice. So for a year, I worked really long, hands alongside with Reese Jones, who's a kind of a famous golf architect. Sure. Right. Uh, and then we wound up doing golf course construction and then was at Duke, wound up running the Duke 
university operation for 13 years. Uh, wow. Or as an employee of Duke Athletics, and, right. and so were you still, the co- were you the coach, or or were no, you working I ran more the golf operation? The golf operations, yeah. yeah. So what we did had that coaches, include? yeah. So we had coaches, men's a men's coach and a ladies coach, and right. and uh, we worked in you know we worked with them. It was you know making sure that we had a facility that a they could they can play on and then recruit their, their, uh, you know, their players. And, uh, the golf course itself actually was the third largest profit center for Duke athletics. Um, so you had men's basketball, you had, you actually had men's football, men's basketball, and then it was us. And then we wound up funding, uh, I think about four non-revenue sports for athletics at the time. Yeah. Um, so the coaches always wanted to know how, how we were doing it there at the golf course. Were we yeah. busy, not busy? And, uh, it was an absolute, I'll tell you, it was an, it was a, a fabulous environment. Uh, it was just a, an environment where, uh, you're with the best coaches and best professionals across the country. It was just really just reeked of excellence. Yeah. Um, and well. just a lot of good people that have come yeah. and gone, uh, through the athletic department there, which was, uh, you know, and it made it a lot of fun, uh, as well. So it was a, it was a lot of fun to come to work with work. Did for. you, uh, have some leadership responsibilities early on there? Well, I had, um, was responsible for the operations there. Right. So, you know, oversaw the, um, you, you know, what was happening out there on the golf course. So yes, um, you know, I got to participate every Monday we would go, all the coaches would get together and we had, you know, it was kind of different and we had our staff meeting and yeah. would sit there with all the golf, co- with all of the coaches from all the variety of schools, uh, to, um, um, you know, sports and, yeah. uh, it was good. It was, yeah. you know, very, very, it was, it was definitely learned a lot. Sean, tell me about the first time you started managing people. When was that? And, you know, how was that a challenge for you? Let's see. You know, it would probably go back to, um, you know, my times that I back in Hilton Head Mm -hmm, uh, had a mm -hmm. relatively small crew or or team that I was responsible for, responsible for their uh, performance. And then obviously there at, at Duke, I would, you know, I had a fair amount of responsibility uh, for the team that was, that was there. Um, you know, I always, I think one of the benefits that, that I have had is that I've always looked at managing like coaching because I was forced to, um, you know, when you're in an athletic environment, everything becomes, uh, very much a coaching scenario. Mm. Um, and so very early on with that, um, you, you know, you're, you're, you, the coaches are, are judged from their team's performance and you as a leader or you as a manager are directly judged how well your team performs. Right. And I, you know, you're always, I always say that you're, you're hired from the people above, but you're fired from the people below. <laughs> That's and, so true. And so, um, it really makes, it, you, you know, Growing up, being in that environment, um, you know, listen to the words of wisdoms and nuggets, whether it's, you know, from Coach K or from uh, the golf coaches that were there or all the successful, you know, national championship coaches that were there at Duke. Uh, You you know, you just sat there and as a young man, you, you know, and I just soaked it up. 
Uh, and I tried to use as much as I learned from there uh, as I possibly could and yeah. helping our teams uh, perform better. That's awesome. Awesome. So uh, Uptomar, you've been uh, in Uptomar management, gosh, for over 10 years now. Now, is that a company that you founded? I did. Yeah. So tell absolutely. me a little bit about the path to that, because you were an employee, obviously, at a couple different places. I know you were at Grand Cypress and Wintergreen Resort. Tell me how you kind of evolved to uh, setting up Uptomar. So um, really neat. Um, so uh, when I was there at, at, at the Duke University Golf Club, essentially got recruited to come down and run uh, all of golf operations and head up quality for Grand Cypress Resort down right. in Orlando. Uh, fabulous place, uh, beautiful golf resort, one of the best within the country. Um, I had 125 PGA Tour members that were members of the property. So, you know, the cream wow. of the, you know, any day you'd have Ernie Els, Marco Mara, Tiger Woods, you know, any of those guys would walk in through the door awesome. and would wound up uh, playing or practicing because they all lived right there in Orlando. Right. Uh, right. And then from there, um, you know, we, wife and I, we had, we had uh, boy girl twins and, and it was very much, uh, uh, it was a it was a Jack Nicholas property and and um, and right down the road there's another property called Bay Hill where it's Arnold Palmer and uh, sure. who owns uh, Arnold Palmer and actually used to give Mr. Palmer's grandson golf lessons oh, uh, when I when I great. was there at Duke and so and actually when I was in South Carolina Hilton Head uh, that's the first time I met Mr. Palmer I caddied for him at huh. uh, a golf course that he opened. And oh, so fine. we strung up kind of a neat relationship over the course of, of, of my lifetime. And, um, and so I wound up living there in Bay Hill and yeah. right down the street from, from Mr. Palmer. And he invited, he, you know, every Saturday I would tee it up with him, uh, oh, with his, great. which was fantastic. So yeah. from an overall, you know, from an overall perspective, I, gosh, almighty, we loved, uh, that part of it, but to raise a family in Orlando was, we just could not see that happening. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. so transient, such a transient environment, not to yeah. say that you couldn't, but it would have been really, it was not something that yeah. neither my wife who's from the Midwest or myself kind of were comfortable with. So we, right. we get recruited to come and run an all of spring, summer, fall business up in Charlottesville, a uh, place called Wintergreen. Yeah. Uh, and it was unequivocally probably one of the tougher places I've ever been employed at. Uh, the culture was very challenging mm. as an organization. <clears throat> and then unfortunately, it was a ski resort um, in the southeast. Wow. So, <laughs> I didn't so think there were the, any of those. <laughs> yeah. So those two don't go hand in hand very yeah, well. Not necessarily. So, right? wow. you know, the first, uh, <laughs> and this is probably the driving reason how I started our, our company. Yeah. I can remember driving up the mountain and it was on Martin Luther King day and driving up next to one of the slopes and not seeing a stitch of snow oh, um, on on the mountain. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, God, this is just not good. And yeah. so at the time, our chairman of the board, he came to me, uh, and we had to make some significant operational 
cuts. And so I had, you know, ski season at this resort was roughly about an eight week window. And Mm -hmm. I had the other, you know, 44 weeks of the year that I had the responsibility for. And he came to me and he says, you know, you need to find 600,000 out of your operating. Oh, and I said, okay, you know, obviously with that big of a number, it's a head count. Um, uh, and that while as tough as that was, I can remember sitting around our senior team and looking at it and saying, is that the right number? Are we going to have to come back and do this again? And we're like, well, let's just get through this year. And I Mm -hmm. really, I really did not uh, ultimately agree with that decision at that time. Um, and because I felt like we needed to make deeper cuts in case we had the same winter sure. again. Right. And right. so uh, we made the 600,000 and, 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 and frankly, they, they weren't as hard as the, the, making it out because you did eliminate positions and you li- eliminated a lot of your headaches. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people that you didn't enjoy working with. Right. right. Um, so the next year, that same scenario, driving oh, up. Uh, oh, snow. <laughs> driving up uh, Martin Luther King, not a real big fan of Martin Luther King for, for different reasons, uh, you, you know, and they came back and said, you need to find another 500,000 oh, out of your operating. Goodness gracious. Um, and at that time, at that, at that time, um, you know, I knew it, it, it was, it was a significant head count again, but I, you know, my heart went out for all the people who gave it their all. Yeah. You right. know, all the ones that, that gutted it out, that took the pay cuts. Right. That, right. Stayed on. Um, yeah. we're, you we're know, that, that, did, that did all of that. And I knew, knew all the stories. I knew the maintenance guy whose daughter just got braces mm-hmm. and we were going to have to lay him off. So, um, you know, I knew that there, there had to be a better way of managing properties and this was not it. Um, and that was the, that honestly, that was such a bit, you know, I knew I always wanted to start, uh, my own company to start, uh, my own company. Uh, but this was a aha moment. I looked, yeah, I looked (laughs) to the guy upstairs and said, you know, you did not put me on this earth. What will you have me do? Yeah. right, Right. To, to do this, to, to lay all these people that have given their hearts and souls. Um, and so with that, you know, my wife and I, we, we looked at all of our finances um, and I took my entire life savings and I started, started a company and I had, wow. a, I had, had roughly about a, a, a four year uh, or five year, excuse me, five year burn rate uh, yeah. with a plan together. And I started hiring people and I didn't pay myself for the first four years. Wow. Uh, and I started burning through our, our life savings and, and uh, that's how we got started and, yeah. and, you know, learned a lot. That's why I say I learned probably more in my 40s than any other decade in my life. <laughs> that's an um, important time to do it. Yeah. yeah and uh, made lots of mistakes and learned from those mistakes and put fire, you know, uh, fire extinguishers wherever there was a mistake and, right. and make sure that they didn't rear their ugly head again. Yeah. Yeah. And, Fabulous. and you know, that's, and that's how we that's how we got started. We, we, we started uh, that way in 2009. Right and at 10 the years of later recession. now, how, how yeah. many employees and, and how many properties? So right now we have 425 employees. Wow. Uh, we have 10 properties that we have either a piece in uh, or ownership or we manage. Uh, we as manage, a third, right. So you do or, both, right? Both ownership both. as well yep. as manage. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do, I would say in 2000, 
uh, in 2013-14, we, we launched uh, the hospitality component of our business. Mm. So we have up to par and Taylor Hospitality. And actually, Taylor Hospitality is 70% of our portfolio. Wow. Um, so we're stronger in, uh, we love golf and I have a passion for golf and for clubs. Uh, but we have, you know, we have grown the hospitality component of our business uh, more so than the golf side of things. That's awesome. And is that catering or are you doing specific events and so forth? Tell me a little bit about what hospitality means to Park. So we, uh, we manage uh, boutique hotels, restaurants, mm-hmm. bars, event centers. Uh, so like we have one of our properties is, uh, the Virginia international raceway. We take care of oh. all of, uh, the hospitality for, uh, for the raceway. Like a couple nights ago, we, we fed Lamborghini, you ah, know, all the, fantastic. all the executives for Lamborghini and yeah. for Maserati. And, you know, uh, two weeks ago we, we fed 1300, uh, from Mount Mazda, uh, that was there for the for Fantastic. the race right yeah so we have boutique hotels resorts yeah uh, and that's the the hospitality side of it and it's actually been a nice augmentation and support structure for the clubs because from the club end um almost 90 percent of the clubs across america you can't get a good cheeseburger in and so <laughs> you know it's you know ironically we have found ourselves that we have gotten into clubs more from the food and beverage side than the golf really? side yeah. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Yeah. They so just, they uh, lose money hands over fist uh, with the food and beverage. And we figured out how uh, to make money in food and actually be profitable uh, and turn that profit over back to the club. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, ha- tell me about how your leadership styles evolved over that time, Sean, particularly during those tough, you know, first four or five years to where you are today. Great question. You know, very much a doer. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you had to be the doer of the deeds. Yeah. Um, and at that time, you know, I essentially hired as uh, the best people that I could afford to do mm. the roles that I didn't have the, the greatest competency in to be able to do. Right. Um, and however, sales I did uh, at one time I did, you know, as a one man show um, with everything. And then over the course of time have been able to add uh, really good, good people as we have grown and become more profitable and continue to reinvest and invest, uh, back into the organization, um, to the point where at least now we have a solid senior team, uh, that's driving the strategy and the execution of, uh, of the company as well as the properties as well. Um, very much, much more into the minutia and the details because mm. every account that we had mattered to, not that it doesn't matter now, but, right. you know, I had, I had, uh, if anything, I probably, um, was too much involved with the details mm. at that right. time. Right. Uh, but over the course of time, you know, you, you see your role changing, and you see where you need to step back and let other people delegate the responsibility. Uh, and while you may still be accountable for it, you know, you're delegating that responsibility to get things done. Right. Um, and, you know, big believer in um, not so much managing as just as much as, as supporting uh, our teams. Right. Um, you know, we have, we don't, in our organization, we don't have what's called direct reports. We actually have 
direct support. So whoever, like you know, so we we're trying to support the people that are really uh, the field or out there in the field and, and doing the job that, that needs to be done right. for, uh, for the guests and for the clients. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it has changed. It definitely has changed and it has evolved. And I continue to think that it will continue to change and continue to evolve uh, over the next two years and next three yeah. years, you know, right. uh, several years back, we did introduce lean management and six Sigma oh, into yeah. our organization. I think we're one of the very few hospitality organizations that are out there that live and die through six Sigma and yeah. lean management. Uh, and that, and being able to look through the lens of the customer has really opened up lots of opportunity for us to continually improve and get better and not so much pe- place blame on anyone or, or as, as much as everything is broken down more or less into a process. And then we right. coach, a, coach to that particular process. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so. Share with your thoughts a little bit about uh, building a company culture. You know, you've built this business from the ground up. It's been over 10 years. And, you know, touch on kind of what's unusual or unique about Up to Par. So, uh, and that has, you know, you as the, the owner and as the, CEO, um, I think the further that you get down the road of that role, the the more important that you see the the culture of the organization. Yeah, no question. Um, yeah. You know, at very when I very early on, I didn't really, I don't think that I fully appreciated it. Hmm. Um, yeah. And and until I really kind of wrapped my arms and and a hundred percent embraced, you know, what do we stand for? What is our, what's our value system? Um, what are some of the things that are like the non-negotiables? Um, and, and you know, how do you go about driving that throughout the organization? Uh, it's so incredibly important. So, you know, you're recruiting for that, for the 51% and, right. and, the, and the 49% that like they always say is, is the competencies standpoint of it. Uh, you know, very early on, I didn't, I didn't really buy into it, but boy, right. the further I moved down the road. Uh, <laughs> you make a couple kicked, of hiring mistakes and oh, you realize boy, it. Oh, right? you can get yeah. kicked in the face that can yeah. get you really, uh, that can hurt. Right. And so right. um, uh, we try, you know, we say it's a, it's a family up to pars family. We have videos that, you know, that all come out that, you know, welcome to the family and right. we have a work cool. family. I know there's, there's two schools of thoughts. Oh, it's not a family, it's a job and, and, and so forth. But really, I mean, I think, you know, we spend so much time with the people that we work with each and every day. Uh, you, you, you gotta, I, I'm convinced you gotta like them. You know, That's the right. old saying that, you, you know, that you can just respect them and, you know, respect their, you, you got to enjoy the time with your, the people that you're there, because if they're happy and you're happy, you're going to be more productive. That's right. You're going to be more engaged and ultimately you're doing much, much better, much better, better job. And, and you, you know, you're going to be able to grow within, within the organization. So uh, we have, a, and you spend uh, a lot of time together. Well, you do. You <laughs> do not enjoying yourself. I know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You do. So. Sean, what do you, what do you look for when you're making bets on the people you invest in and hire? Um, two, two big things. I think, um, when we, I always say we have one rule in the company and you can't be an asshole. Um, <laughs> That's a very common thread with a lot of our companies as well. R- right. And, <laughs> no jerks uh, allowed. <laughs> you, you, you can't, you know, if you're, if you're that person, uh, you know, we don't want you. Um, yeah, yeah. I think the common, 
common things that we really that I really look for is is you know do they have uh, do they have the willingness to learn and do they have the willingness to obviously to execute on your job? You have to have the ability to where your your hands you know can't out outrace your you, you know your mouth, and so whatever you say that you're going to do, you need to do it. Um, and you have to have that track record of being able to, to be able to do that and do it in a nice way, uh, do it in a, in a very caring and honest and an honest way. Um, Can you get to I that in an interview though? It's so hard, right? Cause if you got 45 is. minutes to an hour, do you, are there certain questions you ask or things that you try to zero in on to really get at that character? And, you know, it's funny you bring that up because I think probably the, I interview a ton. Yeah. Uh, I would say at least every day I have anywhere between two and three interviews a day. Sure. Um, and so while some of them may not even realize, and so while some of them may <laughs> right, not even right. realize that are, are in it, um, and, and, you know, can you get into it in, into a formal setting? It's difficult. Um, but there's definitely certain things I think that do come out. Uh, when, you know, we, we actually pre-screen, uh, like a lot of organizations will pre-screen, uh, to see whether or not they would have the, the, the nuts and bolts to be able to, right. to execute within the role. I think that isn't, that is absolutely to some degree that is really very important, whether or not you had the skill set to be successful, but then on the flip side of it, it's the intangibles of how, you know, we're going to be working side by side with each other, <laughs> right? Right. You, you know, whether or not you're at a property that's in Northern Virginia or down in Florida, ultimately we're going to spend some time, uh, together. And so, um, you know, I got to want, you know, the team and the people that are making those hiring decisions has to want to be able to spend time with that person. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I think that those are, those are really, really important qualities, uh, that, that do get overlooked. Yeah, critical. Well, Sean, time has just flown by yeah. and uh, we're just about out of it. But we do have one last question we ask all our guests. And that's, you know, what career and life advice would you give to someone that has their eyes on the corner office or perhaps wants to be an entrepreneur like you and start, you know, a business in their own industry? Um, wow, good question. Um, if you're going to do something, if you're going to start your own, I, I highly recommend if you're going to start your own uh, uh, company, start with something that you know. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> at least you're at a little bit ahead of the curve. Uh, fully knowing that it's going to take you, it's going to take you three times longer than what you anticipate. <laughs> and it's going to cost you twice as much as what you thought it was going to cost you. Yeah. Um, you know, for the guys that are, that are young men and women that are coming up, save your money, make good investment decisions. Uh, so you have, that that nest egg to be able to bootstrap something i'm not a huge believer in uh taking investment money and going out to venture capitalists um i think when you do bootstrap something it forces you to be resourceful and be, to be better right. uh it's easy to spend somebody else's money when it's yourself <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, you, you have to make those decisions. It forces you to be the best, per, best at it that you possibly can. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it, you know, be flexible, be a great influence 
Um, like I said, you're always judged on, on the, on the performance of others as well as yourself. It's not how well that you can do the job. It's how well the team that, that is underneath you is doing the job for you. Um, so, uh, you know, I think it's, I think it's really important, uh, to, to fully understand that, to, to spend the time and to, to train the people, um, train your teammates, uh, what's expected of them. And, and to train them on how to continually have that mindset of continuous improvement of where you are today. It's not going to be where you're going to be six months from now. And it's not going to be where you're going to be 12 months from now. And you know what, if you, if you, if you get a, you know, 1% better every single day, you know what, at the end of the year, your heads and shoulders, uh, down the road. So, um, Fantastic. Well, Sean Taylor, Chief Executive Officer and Founder of Up to Par Management and Taylor Hospitality, thank you so much for sharing your journey into the corner office. Thank you. Appreciate to be, that you asked me to be on the show. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brandt, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode. 